we are all on a journey. The trouble is, sometimes we just don't actually know where we're going. We get turned around and off track, like we're stumbling in the dark. What we all need is a light. We need a God to follow closely and to show us the way. Our light, our God, our teacher is Jesus. We need to follow him. Is Jesus walking around with us? How can he guide us? How can he show us the way? See, following Jesus doesn't have to be that complicated. Jesus can show us the way because Jesus is the way. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you here. For those of you in the venue, good morning. Thanks for being with us, y'all. We got lines on our parking lot in the back. Like, I don't know if you, like, drove in the back yet, but we're fancy like Applebee's now. Like, we went from gravel to, like, pavement, and now we got lines on the pavement. So we are getting closer. Lord willing, seven weeks from today, Sunday, December 19th, we'll be worshiping across the hall instead of here. So those of you in the venue, thank you for suffering, watching video teaching for a period of three months, and the rest of us, man, let's get ready to kind of pack up our stuff and move across the hallway. I've had a few people ask how, like, the kind of the latest giving push went. We said the last Sunday of September that we had a gap of $600,000 between what was pledged and what we anticipated to come in, and we just gave people an opportunity to give. Nearly $400,000 has already been given or pledged to kind to close that gap just in the last month. So continue to pray. That's super exciting. Um, A pretty substantial amount of that was from people who watch online who don't go to Journey. And here's what we heard. We've, we've heard from you watching online that you from all over the world have found our church during COVID and we're like, we're your church now that you watch every week. So for those of you who sent stuff in, thank you for believing in us, although you've never been here and you may never be here. And for those of you who we are your church and you didn't even think you could have impact. You can have tremendous impact by helping us in this initiative. We'll let you know in December kind of where we are um, as we try to finish strong. But for those of you who have pledged and given, thank you for helping us finish well. Pretty exciting day today. We have next hour right after this service, what we're calling a best day ever party. A few weeks ago, we had nearly 50 people make spiritual decisions and say, I want to follow Jesus. 30 of those, nearly 30 of those um, are, are going next hour at 11 a.m. in room 208, which is a hallway right behind this auditorium, to a best day ever party, which basically is going to help them begin their spiritual journey. If you're in here and you've made a spiritual decision to follow Jesus in the last year or so, or at any point in your life, but you've never really taken your first steps, you don't know where to begin, we'd love to invite you. We'll have child care available. Um, it would just take an hour to kind of help you understand the ABCs of Christianity. I think it would be an awesome time. So we'd love to have you be a part of that. Today in this room, we're in Matthew chapter 9. So if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 9 is where we're hanging out. You can open it up uh, and turn there. We're in the fourth week of a series that's called Jesus People. And here's what we're trying to accomplish in this series in Matthew chapter 9, 10, and 11. We want to come to the full realization of what it means to be followers of Jesus who are living on mission for Jesus. We've just been walking verse by verse through the book of Matthew almost for a year, 40 messages now. We've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, and we said, man, we have become followers of Jesus' message. We've become believers of Jesus' power, and now we are living our life through the filter of what Jesus says and who Jesus is. And as we do that, just one day at a time, we're beginning to realize some things about Jesus, about ourselves, and about the world that are changing the way we see everything. Over the next six months, we're going to come to nine spiritual realizations in Matthew 9, 10, and 11. Today's big idea is spiritual realization number four. We're going to learn that it takes all of us to accomplish 
Jesus' mission. As we follow Jesus around and we see him and we see us and we see our world, we're going to look at the world around us and going to say, you know what, it's going to take everyone to accomplish the mission of Jesus. As a matter of fact, we're going to live in this spiritual realization for the next month. For the next four weeks, we'll live in spiritual realization number four in a little bit of a kind of a mini-series called All In. We're going to realize that if all of us get all in, the people of our community who need Jesus. And when I introduce you to the people of our community in a few minutes in this message, you're going to say, that sounds about right, but you're going to have no idea how much they're counting on you and your faith walk to help them. My hope is that by the time you leave today, you will understand, even if you don't want to, you will understand the importance of all of us being all in for the people in our city who need Jesus. Before we ever study scripture at our church, we always pray and ask God to prepare our heart to hear what he has to say, not what I have to say. So in our venue and in here, let's just bow our heads quickly. Take that deep breath to kind of settle your soul into this moment and pray two prayers. One, a prayer of confession and cleansing. Ask God if there's anything sitting on your heart to remove it so that you can hear from him. If you know what it is, just admit, God, I've been struggling with this, but for the next 30 minutes, I'm gonna put it aside so I can hear from you. And then ask him to speak to your heart. God, that's our prayer. The clutter of life sometimes piles so high on our heart that we can hardly hear your spirit speaking to us. So remove that and speak to us. This morning we'll be listening. God, thank you for showing us Jesus so that we can see him and tell the world about him. Show us today what it looks like for all of us to be all in on the mission of Jesus. That's our prayer. And God, we ask it in Jesus' name today, and everyone said, amen. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. If you've never known what the strings were for in your Bible, they're not really to hold it or carry it around. They're, they're like bookmarks. So we'll be in Matthew 9, 35 through 38 for four weeks, every week for the next four Sundays. So if you put your strings in next week, it's really easy to find Matthew chapter 9. Verses 35 through 38 go this way. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So every week we begin with just a little bit of a recap of what Jesus' people are realizing. We saw in week one that our greatest need is spiritual. Our greatest purpose is spiritual. Before Jesus wants to heal us physically, he wants to heal us spiritually so he can set us up on our feet so we can live for the purpose that he created us to live for. We realized in week two that our greatest priority is time with Jesus, and we've got to get near enough to be in contact with him. We talked about Bible reading and prayer and how important it is on a daily basis to have some contact with Jesus. Pastor Christian Grassi, our church planning resident, two weeks ago preached on spiritual realization number three that our eyes were meant to see Jesus and not till we see spiritually can we ever see really physically and our mouth was meant to talk about and praise who Jesus is. And today we're going to learn it takes all of us to accomplish Jesus' mission. Matthew is going to wrap up this section of his chapter about Jesus in Matthew chapter 9 with a summary and a statement. They're both going to be very brief. As a matter of fact, they're both going to be two verses. Two verses to summarize, here's kind of the end of a chapter, and then a statement that will literally drive the rest of the book of Matthew. Each are two verses. One might show you a picture of Jesus in a way that perfectly summarizes him for you. One might show you a picture 
of what God wants you to do in a way that you've never seen it before. We're going to start with the first one. We're going to start with the summary. And here's what we're going to see Matthew do. In Matthew chapter 8 and 9, we've been through nine supernatural events and one supernatural testimony. Matthew just one at a time has been like, Jesus healed him, Jesus healed her, Jesus calmed the storm, Jesus did this. Jesus asked me to follow him. He's been like giving us the blow by blow, moment by moment of what Jesus has been doing. He could have probably listed 90 stories. The book of Matthew, instead of being 28 chapters, could be 280 chapters. The apostle John would say, if we wrote down everything that Jesus did and said, like the whole world probably wouldn't have room to contain all the books. Like he did and said so much. So after nine supernatural events, one supernatural testimony, Matthew just kind of says, and Jesus kept doing stuff like this. He just gives a summary of like, here's what Jesus does. And he does it in two verses. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. This is just a summary of what Jesus did. Matthew said, anytime Jesus rolled into town, here's what he did. Here's here's what Jesus does. He was teaching, he was preaching, he was healing, he was helping. Jesus would refer to this as the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Matthew kind of tells us the story of Jesus' life. Matthew chapter 1, he's born. Matthew chapter 2, he's raised. Matthew chapter 3, he's kind of dedicated at the temple and he gets ready for his temptation. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus preaches one sentence of Scripture. And here's the sentence. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. All he has told people is, listen, here's what's coming. The kingdom of heaven is coming. And then in Matthew chapter 5, he begins to do that. In Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8, We get to see and hear the kingdom of heaven. We are 40 messages into these 179 verses. Here's what it looks like to live in Jesus' world. We've heard his teaching and he likes it. Jesus taught spiritual people more correctly the ways of scripture. So the teaching was the ministry that Jesus did to the Jewish leaders, to Jewish people. It was people who had a little bit of a spiritual background, but they were saying, help me understand more. The preaching is what Jesus did to people who had no spiritual background. He basically said, hey, God loves you, and I want to invite you to be in my kingdom. Teaching is what Jesus is doing for most of you today. You would say you've got some kind of spiritual bent, spiritual background, and you're here today because you want to know God more. You want to follow God more closely. You want to live on purpose for who Jesus has created you to be. You're here for the teaching, but some of you may be here for the preaching because you don't know God at all, and you've never connected with Jesus. And what you need to hear is a proclamation. You are invited to be a part of Jesus' kingdom. That's the difference between teaching and preaching. Jesus would go into a town, teach the spiritual people, and invite those who were spiritually checked out into his spiritual kingdom. He would bring healing every place he went where there were sick people. We saw Jesus bringing healing to the sick, and he would help those who were in need. If they needed something to eat, he'd give them food. If they needed clothes, he would give them clothes. This is what the kingdom of heaven looks like, the teaching and the preaching and the healing and the helping. That's what Jesus does. And I don't know about you, but I think this is what our community needs. I think our community needs the kingdom of heaven to show up. Amen? I think people who have some kind of spiritual background in their past need to be reminded to follow Jesus more closely, that he is the answer. I think those who don't know him at all need to be told, hey, like Jesus loves you, he's for you. He wants you to follow him. I think those who are hurting should experience and need to experience healing. And I think those who need help should find help. We know that the community that we live in looks like the community of Matthew chapter 9, harassed and helpless. 
The Barna Research Group has just done very detailed research about Kansas City in the last 18 months, and they've said Kansas City is a city where people are experiencing emotional hardship along the lines of stress and anxiety and burnout. Here is, we talk about wanting to be Jesus people. Let me tell you who our people are. This is our city, according to the last 18 months of research done by a very credible research group. 71% of Kansas Citians feel stressed. 62% feel anxious. 53% feel burned out. 47% feel lonely. 46% feel depressed. This is our people. This is your neighbors. And honestly, if we could get real honest, this is probably most of us because we live in Kansas City. If we're part of the 30 who aren't stressed, good for you. Part of the 38% who aren't anxious, good for you. Part of the 47% not burned out. Part of the 53% don't feel lonely. Part of the 54% like, good. like this is our people. This is our city. And Matthew said Jesus rolled into cities like this and he helped them. He helped them by teaching them God's word. He helped them by inviting them to be a part of God's kingdom. He helped them by figuring out where they were hurting and bringing healing and by figuring out where they were in need and trying to meet that need. I don't know about you, but I think these people need Jesus. Amen? Like, I don't know anything that can help these people but Jesus. And I think our people need Jesus' people to tell them about the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Like, that's how ministry works. Jesus' people tell our people who are harassed and helpless and need some direction where to find Jesus. That's the way the kingdom of heaven things work. The disciples knew what Jesus did. If you were to ask them, hey, what's Jesus all about? I think they would all give the summary statement Matthew did. Oh, he's a teacher, he's a preacher, he's a healer, he's a helper. Like, that's who Jesus is. They knew Jesus enough to summarize what he did. But I think what he said next surprised even his closest followers because it was some new spiritual truth to them. And I think for many of you here today, I think for some of you sitting in the venue today, this is going to be new spiritual truth to you. Summary of Jesus' ministry, I think we could all give it. But the statement that Jesus gave about what he needed, it gets your attention. At the very least, it gets your attention. You could say it this way. Matthew summarized what Jesus did in verses 35 and 36. Teach, preach, heal, help. That's what Jesus did. He summarized what Jesus needed in verses 37 through 38. Here's what Jesus does, but here's what Jesus said he needed. Let's look at verses 37 and 38. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Here, I think, is the shock of Matthew as he writes this for us. Jesus is this incredible teacher, preacher, healer, helper. It's who he is. It's what he does. Here's the shocking statement. He wants us to help him do these things. He needs us to help him do these things. Jesus is a teacher, preacher, healer, helper, but he needs workers to carry out that work for him. He needs our help to accomplish his mission. Let me say it again. Jesus, according to Matthew chapter 9, needs our help to accomplish his mission. We will close today with a song called Waymaker, one of my favorite songs. It says that Jesus is a waymaker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, and a light in the darkness. It's like that is who my God is. And then there's like this little refrain at the end, and it's like even when I don't see him, he's working. Yeah. And even when I don't feel it, He's working, yeah. 
because he never stops unless there's no workers. And then the work stops. You saying you wait a minute, you saying Jesus can't work without us? That's not what I'm saying. That's what I'm reading you that he said. Jesus can work any way that he wants to work. But he said, I'm going to work through workers. So pray for workers because the work is bigger than the workers and I want to keep working, but not everyone is working. Jesus works through workers. I think the thing that gives me hope about our people is also the thing that convicts me about our people because I left off the most important statistic that Barna's research group gave. 71% stressed, 62% anxious, 53% burned out, 47% lonely, 46% feel depressed. These are all pretty startling, but there's hope. You say, why is that? Because 60% of them believe the church is equipped to do something about their needs. That's good news and convicting news. The stressed, anxious, burned out, lonely, depressed people of our city are saying at a clip of 6 out of 10, I think the church could help. We are a city that only 20% of our city goes to church on an average Sunday morning, which means 40% of those people saying, I believe the church can help, don't go to church, but they're looking at churches thinking, I think they can help me, which is interesting because we are living in the world of burnt out, bitter Christians who are disengaging from the church thinking they don't need it. Christians are saying, I don't need the church anymore. And people who don't know Jesus are saying, I think I do. Hmm. See, when are are we going to leverage this reality? The hurting people in my life think my church can help. And they probably don't know where to sit, what time to show up, how to drop the kid. Like they probably need someone to sit with them. They probably need someone to invite them. They probably need someone to bring them. But like six out of 10 of my hurting friends are looking around and they're, as they're driving up and down the road, they're thinking, I think, church, I think a church could help me. Do I know anyone who goes to church who believes in the mission of Jesus enough that they would invite me to? See, Jesus said the work is so big, but I need workers to help me. You say, why do people believe the church is the answer? Because the church has the answer. Journey is not the answer, but Jesus is, and we know him. Remember in Buddy the Elf when they, like, like they they said Santa Claus was going to come, and he's like, I know him. Like, we we know the answer. Like, his name is Jesus, and we know him. It's like, I know that guy. I know that guy. I can make a connection. I can make an introduction. I know that guy. As we summarize verses 35 through 38 and kind of sit in this text for the next four weeks, we're going to learn that the work of Jesus' ministry and the facts of Jesus' ministry are this. Here's what Matthew is kind of saying happened everywhere that Jesus went. Because I think some of it applies to us. Jesus comes to a town. Jesus, we know, is coming to our town. He's already here. But I think because of the new building we're getting ready to build, there's going to be more awareness in our community that, that something's going on at Journey. Number two, the crowds are still drawn to Jesus and they need him. He never sent out an email or a, or a Twitter blast. Like he, like he showed up and the crowd showed The crowds came to him. The crowds needed shepherds and the Savior needed workers. Guys, I believe Jesus is doing something at Journey. And I believe when we open this new building that the crowds are going to be drawn to him because they need him. Just supernaturally, I think it's going to happen. 
He, here's why I believe it's going to happen. Have any of you ever pulled off a of 470 on the prior road and got to the top of the exit and smelled Jack Stack? Like, <laughs> from the heart of God wafting <laughs> into your car? You weren't hungry. You certainly weren't hungry for barbecue until you got there. And then all of a sudden, you were hungry for Jack Stack barbecue. It's like, I don't know if they have fans blowing in the, in the direction of the road. It'd be wise if they did, but it was like, God, I, I received that. And now I was going to go home, but now I'm going to go to Jack Stack. That's happening as people drive by our building the last several months. You know that, right? Like people are driving by these hurt, anxious, burned out, stressed Lonely, depressed people are driving by our building and the Holy Spirit is beginning to send out waves of aroma. The aroma of Christ is what Paul called it. It's getting into the vents of their car. And as they think about everything going on in their life and they drive by our church, six out of 10 are saying, I wonder if that place could help me. And we're gonna open it and they're gonna think without even knowing why, they're gonna think, I should check that place out at some time. And they're gonna come because people like new things because there's thousands of Christians in our community who haven't really had a church since COVID because there's so many hurting people. The crowds are going to come. They're drawn to Jesus like we're drawn to Jack Stack sitting at 470 and prior exit. It's just going to happen. It did happen the first time. That's why some of you are sitting in the venue today. Thank you. (laughs) This time we built a bigger building so that when it happens, we're ready. The question is, the work is going to be here. Question is, are the workers Jesus said, you need, to, uh, you need to pray for workers. You say, what, is, what does the church look like when the workers actually do the work? Great question. I've got an answer. If you have your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it'll be on the screen. You can read it with me there. Kind of scroll there on the app that you're using on your phone. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul said, here's a picture of the church when, it, when all the workers are working together. Like, Here's an analogy, here's an illustration, here's what it looks like when all the church works together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. When all the workers do the work, at the same time, this is what it kind of looks like. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body's not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there's many parts, but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that the parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you as a part of it. How does the church work when all the workers work together? It works like a body that has all of its body parts functioning properly. Now, none of us want to live through a season where one of our body parts doesn't function properly. We've all done that at one time or another, and it affects the entire body. The question is, do we want to be a part of a church 
where not all the body parts are functioning well because that impacts all the other parts. As we focus on the fourth part of Jesus' ministry, that workers are needed. Jesus needs workers. Let me define one thing, and then let me teach through a little bit of 1 Corinthians 12. The Savior needs workers. You say, for what? Let me just give you a little bit of theology drip. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 38, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You say, Christian, what is the harvest field? Matthew 16, 18, he'll name it. A few chapters later, he'll say, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus' followers come together in assembly for mission, and and they're called his church. And in, in the Greek, it's a different word. But it's, it's the word that we say church. It's a gathering community that lives for a specific purpose and a specific person. It's an assembly gathered together to move together in the same direction. When Jesus asked his disciples, pray that someone will send out workers into the harvest field, he was saying, pray that people will work in the church. Now, here's something interesting for those of you who are kind of Bible geeks. Only twice in the entire book of Matthew does Jesus ask the disciples to pray for something? Twice in the entire book of Matthew. One of them's a big time because he's getting ready to have a really hard day. Can any of you think of one time where Jesus asked his disciples to pray? Garden of Gethsemane. He's like, I need you to pray. Um, This time tomorrow, I will be in a tomb. I need you to pray. The burden of the cross drove him to ask his disciples to pray. And then in Matthew 9, the burden of the church drove Jesus to ask his disciples to pray. The burden of the cross, pray. The burden of the church, pray. Jesus said, pray that I can go to the cross and then pray that workers will get engaged in the church. It's a pretty serious deal that Jesus is asking his disciples, pray that everyone does their part. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's seven kind of spiritual truths that I just want to throw at you real quick. You'll probably need not only eyeglasses, but like maybe, your, like maybe your notes to see this. This screen really isn't for you to take notes off of, but if you have your notes, it'll be easy to fill in. The Savior needs workers. You say, what does it mean that the Savior needs workers? Well, here's what we learn from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just seven things as we just kind of walk through this verse by verse. Verse 14 says the church, Jesus' mission, the church, is made up of many valuable parts. Lots of different functioning parts in the body of Christ in the church. Verses 15 and 16, number two says, not seeing your value to Jesus' mission, the church, doesn't mean that you're not valuable. You might not think you're valuable, but not believing you're valuable doesn't make you not valuable. Jesus would say, number three, that his mission, the church, doesn't function completely when you're not engaged in verse 18. Unless everyone does their part, there is a part that is missing. In verses 19 and 20, number four, we learn that God has shaped you and placed you exactly where he needs you for his mission, the church. Like God has given you a very specific skill set, passion, experience, something you enjoy and do well so that you can use that in the church. Number five, we learn from verses 21 through 24, and I think this is valuable teaching from Paul, that those who don't see their value or have their value seen are actually the most indispensable to Jesus' mission, the church. Some of you today are serving Jesus and nobody knows it except a very, very small number of people. And you think I'm not valuable. Paul says, actually, you probably are the most indispensable. We send home reflection questions every week in your bulletin so you can just think about the message for five minutes every day. Our reflection Tuesday is this. The most valuable servants in Jesus' church rarely see themselves as valuable, nor are they seen by many others at all. 
However, God says they're indispensable. Has God made you to serve in an invisible yet indispensable place in his church? And do you really believe that he needs you there? So two groups today, invisible but indispensable. One for the preaching ministry, people who don't know Jesus yet. One for the teaching ministry, people who need to deeply know who Jesus is. Probably invisible to most. We know from research that people who are not followers of Jesus and who don't normally come to church make up their minds within seven minutes of pulling into the church parking lot or of whether or not they'll feel comfortable returning for a second time. So if you're here today and and you don't normally come to church, within seven minutes you made up your mind whether or not you think this is a place you'd ever want to come back. Before the music, before the preaching, you already felt like the church was ready for you or not ready for you, which means our campus support and guest services ministry are serving an invisible and dispensable part because most of our campus support team serves before the sun comes up. They start and finish before the sun comes up. You wouldn't even know that they're there except you see the flags. You see guys waving in the parking lot. You see the people standing at the doors to greet people. That three-wave line of people, those who set everything up, those who wave in the parking lot, those who stand at the door, they are the most important ministry connections to people who don't normally come to church. They're trying to figure out, am I welcome here? Can I be comfortable here? Should I come back here in that span of time? No one probably knows. I don't even know this morning who set up flags or who will tear them down. But I know you are indispensable to someone in our community who's never been to our church. We had a family bring friends to church for the first time ever two weeks ago and when they pulled in our parking lot. Their friend said, my gosh, this feels like Arrowhead on a Chief Sunday. Like the flags and the parking and the like parking people is like that crazy. That's crazy. Now, if you've ever been to Arrowhead when there's not a Chiefs game, it's just a big empty concrete space. Doesn't feel special at all. But if you go on game day, it's like something's going on here. And we had some people from our church bring a friend who their first 30 seconds on the property, they thought, something exciting is happening here. I don't even know what it is, but this is cool. That was an invisible, indispensable group of people making that happen. And then probably the most invisible, indispensable group of people for discipleship at our church are those who serve with our infant and preschool children. Because if you study the brain psychologically, the people who will learn and retain the most today are between the ages of two and five because their brain is developing. And for the most part, ours is pretty developed. What your three-year-old learns today, they will remember longer in life than what you learn today. The most valuable Bible teachers at our church are never on this stage. They're in that back hallway with kids under the age of five. And unless you have one back there, you don't even know they exist. They're invisible to you, but they're indispensable to the kingdom. You see, I feel invisible. That doesn't mean you're not valuable. It might mean you're the most valuable. Number six, we learn from verses 24 and 25, when Jesus' mission, the church is unified, each part serves each other for each other. Like we realize that we're all connected in this thing. I think sadly, probably one of the most disconnected gifts that people use well is the spiritual gift of giving those who tithe. Tithe means give a tenth of your income. The Christian Post came out with an article last week. Their most recent survey said only 13% of Christians actually tithe, give a tenth, and, less than, and more than 50% of Christians give away less than 1% of their income anywhere on an annual basis. So we got a little bit of a generosity opportunity that we can lean into. But sadly, a lot of those who do tithe, it's become a finance thing, not a faith thing. It's like a bill that you pay. And you forget when you see ministry happening that you did it. Like, you know, the very first event we'll be doing in our building, 
The very first event that will happen in that building is next Sunday after church. We're going to be baptizing, how many at this point? We're going to be baptizing 10 children in front of the cross. That baptistry is going in front of that cross. We're going to set up tables for moms and dads, and we are going to baptize children in front of the cross. Like the very first, we're going to like anoint that building with ministry to children. And you know who made that happen? Those of you who give. You did that. And a lot of times it's like, oh, cut, we got paid, cut the check. And it's like, no, 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 don't cut the check. See the ministry. Guatemala, you did that. Thanksgiving turkeys, you did that. Every, like the, you did that. You need to start not patting yourself on the back, but feeling the impact of your part of the body of Christ. Because number seven, we learn in verses 26 and 27, it takes all of us to accomplish Jesus' mission. Somebody say all of us. Somebody say all in. All of us, all in. All of us, all in. All of us, all in is what it takes to help a community that is as harassed and as helpless as the community that we live in. It's why the next four weeks we'll be in this series called All In. All of us, all in, is what it will take to impact a harassed and helpless community like ours. You say, what do I need to do? Do whatever God has created you to do. In Romans 12, God says we have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, somebody say do it. Do it. If your gift is prophesying, do it. If it's serving, do it. Now, just so you know, the plan was for most of you to say do it every time because I think we'll remember it better. So we'll try again. And now that we've got shared expectations, we'll... um, We won't have shared frustrations. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, do it. it. If your gift is serving, if it's encouragement, if it's giving, that one's always a little less in volume than others, but that's okay because only 13% of you believe in it. If it's leadership, (laughs) do it. Do it. If it's showing mercy, do it. You say, how do I... How do, how do I get all in? Just do what God created you to do. Just do what God created you to do. Just do faithfully what God created you to do. You have a gift. God has a place for you to use that. We talk about it in our growth track ministry, which happens uh, every week at 930. I think step two of our growth track is where you discover your spiritual gifts and your shape, and you see where that allows you to serve in, in journey, our local congregation. I think this book lists 19 different spiritual gifts that you may have. Scripture lists 27. We've combined a few. But the reality is figure out what God has created you to do and then do it. Inside your bulletin, you'll see this little card that says, All In With Jesus' Mission. It's my goal over the next month that all of us will get all in. The reality is this, probably 13 to 20%. We know this rule in every industry that there is. 15 to 20% of the people do 80% of the work. So if we could go from 13% to 25%, you know what you would call that? Revival. Um, I would like all of us to be all in, but I'll take just whatever we have. I'll take some more. I'll take one or two people saying, like, I'm all in, use me. This card, if you don't have a bulletin, you can just text that journey all in to our text number that you have, and they'll send you a link to this card. I'm asking everyone who's not currently engaged in serving as a part of the body at Journey to get all in in 2022, to take this card to look at one or two areas at the most and say, listen, man, I'm all, I'm all in. Just show me what I'm supposed to do. If everyone did it, probably no one would have to serve more than once a month because we'd have too many people to serve. But 10 different areas, administration, 
because I don't have that, I don't even know how to explain it, but if you have it, like if it sounds like, that sounds fun, check that box. Um, <laughs> facilities and grounds, mowing grass, painting walls, fixing stuff, children's ministry, student ministry, guest services and connections, helping people. I'm looking for what I call some first responders in this area of guest services, connections, like people to help sick people. No, people who recognize lost people. Like Disney has a crew of people that they pay just to recognize people who are looking around. My prayer is that we'll have 30 to 40 people whose job it is just to find people who look lost, people who see lost people, people who aren't afraid to talk to new people at the same time that have at least like 10 Facebook friends. So you're not just like, I'll talk to anyone. It's like, <laughs> okay, but do they want to talk to you? Um, like, like, like people who are not afraid to say, hey, looks like your first time. Can I help you find anything? Like I'm looking for some people in our guest services ministry to say, I'll, get to, I'll, I'll go find someone and help them. Adult discipleship, spiritual care, production, which is all the stuff you see on the stage, volunteer care and events, digital media, giving. You say, what is the ministry of giving? There's a specific spiritual gift of giving where some people not only tithe, but they want to give more because their heart is tied to seeing their money make a difference. We're going to start a ministry that we call Kingdom Builders. For those who have the gift of giving, it might be less than 10, where once a quarter our finance team meets with the Kingdom Builders and says, here's what's going on financially at our church. Here's what we'd like to do, but our current budget doesn't support it. Do you want to help? Because there are some people, like, that's their gift. That, that's what they want to do. They want to take what God has given them and leverage it to do things that they think are really important. Find your gift. Get all in. See what God can do. You say, I didn't see community outreach on there. That's not a gift. That's a command. All of us are called into that one. So we've got this Thanksgiving project coming. When you leave today, we're going to have somebody from our community outreach team put a card in your hand of groceries that need to be bought so we can feed 500 families at Thanksgiving. I need every family in here to feed a family at Thanksgiving. You say, I don't have that gift. No, no, if you're a Christian, you have that call. It's not a gift. That one's for all of us. You say, man, Christian, you're asking a lot. No, I'm not. God is. I'm I'm just telling you what he's asked. You say, Jesus asks a lot. Jesus gave a lot and he gave more than he asks. But his mission when done well is all of us being all in. You say, is there a reason? You tell me. These are our people. These are the people that work for your company. These are the people teaching your kids. These are the people you're waiting in the car line with. These are the people you're sitting in the stands with. These are the people that some of you are going to be trick-or-treating tonight with. This, this, This is our people. Fresh info, a very credible research group over the last 18 months. This is us. 71% stressed, 62% anxious, 53% burned out, 47% lonely, 46% depressed, most needing help, most believing the church can help. All of us, all in. Our people need Jesus' people to get all in. Let me close with a picture of maybe what this looks like. Danielle and I were flying out of Raleigh really early a couple weeks ago. We've been to Liberty University to see our son and do some stuff with their divinity school there. And we're flying in and out of Raleigh, North Carolina because it's hard to fly into Lynchburg, Virginia. And we had a really early flight. I was up at 4.20 waiting on a shuttle, uh, North Carolina time, 3.20 central time. It was early. Uh, North Carolina, very stringent mask mandate, so we were all kind of masked up. I had a hat pulled low over my eyes, sitting in the lobby just trying to stay awake until the, sh- the airport shuttle came. And I see a dad and a mom walk down with their daughter. And I realize it just seemed, something seemed off. I just remember thinking out of the corner of my eye, um, this dad carrying his daughter like in his arms, I remember thinking she looks um, 
She looks too old to be little, but she looks too little to be old. There's just, like he was carrying her like a, like, a, like a little child. But I just, in my periphery, I thought, some things, I don't know what it is, but that's, something seems weird there. Didn't pay much attention. Got on the shuttle. Danielle got on the shuttle. Mom gets on the shuttle, and here comes dad and daughter. And I realized she was probably 12 to 14 years old, but her arms did not extend below her shoulders, and her legs did not extend below her hips. So her dad was carrying her to put her on the bus. And I thought, makes sense now. I clearly see what has happened. Over the last few weeks, as I've remembered that picture, I thought, is that what our church looks like? Because we're building like this big face that our community sees. Look pretty mature from the highway. But are people going to walk in and think, where's the body? Where's the arms and the legs and the hands and the feet and the like, is everybody just coming to listen to the sermons and message? Or like, are people in, are they, are like they engaged here? Let's not have an old face with a little body because you refuse to be the arm or the leg or the hand or the foot or the finger or the toe or the eyebrow or the eyelash that God has created you to be. Just figure out who God's created you to be and be that. Then we can all function the way that God has called us to function together. What has God said to you? What do you need to do about it this morning? If you can answer those questions, we can move forward together. Would you pray with me as we consider those questions? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. But hearts are open. Christians, I'm talking to you in the room today. Christians, are you all in? Are you performing your part of the body or are we missing a finger or a toe here and there? Are we wearing an eye patch because you were created to be an eye but we can't see? Are we in a boot because you were an ankle tendon that's weak? Are we on crutches because you were part of the knee that just won't hold the weight of our church? When all of us get all in, our hurting community has a shot. But it starts with you. It starts with you just doing your part. What is God saying to you? What will you do? If you're here today and God has said it's time to get all in, would you in prayer right now just say yes to God? And then would you today or the next day or two, next week or two, figure out which of these areas you think you're good at, which you'd be willing to serve in, check a box or two, let us call you in in 2022. Know that it's going to take all of us to accomplish the mission of Jesus. Would you say yes? And then would you follow up that yes to Jesus? Maybe you're here for the preaching, not the teaching. Maybe you are one of the broken people of our community who's tried everything but Jesus but thought who thought maybe a church can help and today you've heard the gospel you've heard the preaching that God knows you God loves you his son came to live for you to die on a cross for you so your sins could be forgiven your life could be full the preaching that you need to hear today is very simple Jesus loves you sir he loves you ma'am he loves you teenager He lived his life for you and died on a cross so your sin could be forgiven and you could be close to God. If you've never said yes to Jesus, all you gotta do today is open your heart. Trust in his forgiveness. Trust in his guidance. Commit to follow him and live on mission with him. You can do that through prayer. If you've never done that, it's real simple. You just talk to God from your heart, from your heart to heaven. Don't even have to pray out loud. You can pray something like this. Just repeat after me of today you need Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Just repeat it after me from your heart to heaven, not out loud. Jesus, I need you. 
Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my past. Heal me of my hurts. Lead me into my future. Today I surrender my life to your leadership. I ask for your salvation and I commit to follow you. If you just prayed with me in just a second, I'll let you know how you can tell us so that we can follow up. But Father, as we end our prayer time today, I pray for every member of the body to be convicted and compelled by by the hope that our city places in us, that churches help people. Help us to be convicted and compelled by the hope that the body of Christ doing the work of Christ is the answer for our broken world and let us do our part. Speak to people, give them courage, give them follow through, make us better. Let us experience revival because of Jesus. That's our prayer and we ask it today in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen.